0: Before I begin the teaching this morning, I I want to make you aware of next Sunday, um, a friend of ours, thank you, Dean, um, Mark Harris, who is the lead executive worship pastor at Gateway Church in Dallas, and he's a former lead man for, uh, for him, he's a writer, he's written songs and he's sung songs for the big screen. Um, he's a gifted worship leader and he is actually going to be here pouring into our team Friday and Saturday and then next Sunday he'll actually be leading worship with our team along with Dean and Lisa and the rest of the guys and that's going to be a really special time so we're looking forward to it and my mind just slipped is there one other thing I'm supposed to say oh people groups tonight there are um, because the weather is supposed to get possibly worse um, n- there are no other activities, no growth track or children's uh, worship team rehearsal or any of that stuff. No growth track tonight. This is a day we'll all go home and sit by the fire and um, do our devotions all afternoon. Study Pastor Chuck's sermon notes. Um, all right, y'all ready? Um, in, we're now we're in this season of fasting and prayer, and I had planned to just resume the This Is That series where we look at what's happening in, in our world and all around us, and it was prophesied. This is the second week in a row that the Lord has just disrupted that plan, and um, I talked with the elders about this Thursday, and I said, you know, you think, it, is, is it okay if I just, you know, don't preach that yet? And I, I apologize. I intentionally last week said that as far as I know, I, I I intend to resume this Sunday, and um, I'm not going to. And uh, it, it's it. The Lord is just speaking stuff that's just so real, and it's happening on Mondays and Tuesdays, and it it allows it to marinate in me, you know. And when you're when you're a pastor, I used to travel and speak out on the road, and I had like 15 sermons or something. You preach them all year long, and you don't need notes and you're tempted to trust your flesh and you know you can just kind of come in and wow everybody and you're like wow and but when you're a pastor, you're like, you know I hated doing term papers in college and seminary, and then I become a pastor and it's like doing a stinking term paper every Saturday night and presenting it on Sunday morning and so I just I really come going Lord I just you're 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 telling me what to say. I know he is. And so I'm coming to, to share that with you. And uh, so Monday or Tuesday, the Lord tells me, to, I want you to speak from the words of Jesus about the wise and foolish builder. And the title of the sermon will be Standing in the Storm. And when I saw the weather report on Wednesday or Thursday, and then Friday or Sunday, seriously i just i was like okay i see this and it's not it's not coincidence and that's not to cast judgment on anybody who wasn't able to make it today um i pray that everybody gets to make it online but with everything swirling everything happening in our world right now you know if it's not one thing it's another if it's not covid it's the weather if it's not the weather it's a new variant. If it's not that, it's Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend and bad weather and a variant all at the same time. And when the Lord gives you a sermon titled Standing in the Storm, you go, We Must Meet. And um, y'all, you're probably not surprised, but y'all are like minded people. We see the importance of this. Am I right? getting in his presence, worshiping at a season when church attendance and togetherness is just really at a drastic point. And so I'm thankful that you're here this morning, and um, I am dehydrated, trying to stay hydrated. So we'll begin, just I want us to look at the Sermon on the Mount in just to help everybody understand the sermon on the mount is Jesus coming out it's his first sermon he has been baptized by John he's been in the wilderness for 40 days and tempted by the enemy he overcame the enemy by the word and then in Matthew chapter 5 he opens up and there's three chapters in the sermon on the mount and he just it's a it's an enormous download he starts with the beatitudes And those are attitudes that you are to be, things to do. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called sons of God. Blessed are those which hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be filled. Blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth, and so on and so on. In Matthew 5, he talks about being salt and light, and and churches are like a city on a hill, a lamp on a stand. And then he gets into this rhythm of saying this. You have heard it said. But I say to you, and the measure, the standard just changes. And he's quoting mostly from Moses, the law, the Old Testament. And he says things like this. You know, you've heard it said, do not commit murder. But I say to you, do not be angry. He he says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say, don't even look at a woman lustfully or you've already committed adultery in your heart. And so there's got to be a wow. And then he he says things like, if your eyes cause you to sin, pluck it out. How many of you know that's like, I wonder how many people just started going plucking their eyes. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And he says it'd be better to go to heaven with no hands than to hell with both of them. This is like, this is like a the standard is going up, and, and it's three chapters of that. He says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say, no, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may prove yourselves to be a son of the Father in heaven. Then Matthew 6, he opens up and he says, when you give, don't tell everybody what you you give. When you pray, don't use big fancy words. Now listen, he's getting at a religious performance Group of people, Pharisees, Sadducees, they, were, they, they used big words and they dressed formally and people were impressed by that. Things in the flesh. And Jesus says, don't be like that. Stop praying out in public. Stop fasting with a long face. And then he says in Matthew 6, don't be worried. Stop worrying about your life. And then the famous verse, verse 33 in Luke, uh, Matthew 6, he says, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and everything you're worried about will be added unto you. And then in Matthew chapter 7, there's some great stuff. I won't say it all, but he, he, he says, Do not judge. Um, or if you do, understand the measure you judge with is how you'll be measured. And a lot of people think Jesus in, in this story, when he said, first... Um, Get the plank out of your eye before you help your neighbor get the splinter out of theirs. A lot of people think Jesus was saying, don't judge. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, don't be a hypocrite. Um, Get the stuff out of your eye before you help other people get stuff out of their eye. Then he goes on, he says, just the most practical, easy to understand stuff. He says, Every good tree bears good fruit. Every bad tree bears bad fruit. Good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. And then he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Now listen, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, they won't enter heaven. There'll be people who recognize who he is. They've heard about him. They know him at some level. And they they know to call him Lord. But he is not the Lord. They have not made him the Lord of their lives. And then Jesus goes on and says, Many will say to me on that day, Hey, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons, and perform many miracles? Again, he's not saying that they did prophesy or did cast out demons or did miracles, but they will say that. And Jesus says... um, then I will declare to them, I, I, I never knew you. And then he gets to the closing of the sermon. This is where we'll focus in today. In Matthew 7, I read from the message translation. It says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. I love that. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words. Everybody say Foundation. They are foundational wor- words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter or a wise builder who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. Verse 28. When Jesus concluded his address, I'm sorry, verse 26, I skipped over. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. And I love this right here. After these three chapters, the religious crowd This is is what we need. We need to see people who preach with authority, who teach with an anointing. And maybe not polished, but with with authority, with anointing that cuts through. The religious crowd had not seen anything like this. They'd never heard anybody teach, anyone teach like this. And it says, when Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religion teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Now listen, there are two builders, two people, a wise builder and a foolish builder. And they had a couple important things in common. They heard Jesus teach live, In person, and they experienced rain being poured down and and a flood coming up, and the winds began to blow. The only difference between these two people had to do with one person, one builder, heard the words of Jesus. That's it. The other one heard the words of Jesus and put those words into practice. He wasn't a hearer only but a doer. This says right here in the message, if you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built on the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid, foolish carpenter who builds his house on a sandy beach, a weak foundation. This um, portico we have out here was built for such a time as this, right? (laughs) This morning, um, And thank God we have that. I will tell you, I factored that in thinking about, oh, man, what are we going to do? And thank God we have a nice, beautiful portico. But if you were here every day watching them build it, you know, it's not just a beautiful, helpful covering for us. It's built firmly and strongly. They had to level that ground. I remember when they were digging the holes to put, you know, behind all that pretty and trendy cedar, there are steel beams that we had to order, and they had to manufacture and fabricate them just for that and When they dug those holes, they were like five foot holes about four feet by four feet, and down in those holes, they poured massive amount of concrete there 's these gigantic bolts that they mount in there and so while you look and see a nice, efficient covering for us on a day like today, you look and see some trendy cedar stain that matches the architecture of the building and soon there'll be a chandelier hanging out of there. The thing we will be most thankful for is that it has a foundation with integrity. What's the most important part of the building we're in right now? Not that. This. It's built on the right stuff. So many people Get concerned with all the other stuff in building their life, in building their family, building their ministry sometime. But the most important thing is what Jesus is addressing here, the foundation. He said if you work these words into your life, you're a smart carpenter, a wise man. And I want you to notice, he didn't say if the rain comes, if a storm storm happens to come, He didn't say that. He says in verse 27, when the rain comes, stormy seasons come. Amen? Amen? We're in one. Literally, today, and figuratively, we are in a season where there's chaos. And I want you to understand, the rain of immorality, the rain of chaos and confusion is falling And all around us, the flood of fear is rising. And all around us, the wind of compromise is blowing all around us and our children. And I ask you this morning, are you sure you've built your house on the right foundation? Have you built your life on Jesus? The message says, if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, It's foolish. It's stupid. I love the story. I've I've seen um, Francis Chan tell about his daughter. And he tells the story about if he were to say to her, I want you to go clean up your room. And she said, yes, sir, and leaves and comes back and says, dad, I want you to know I memorized what you said. (laughs) And dad, I've learned it to say it in the Greek too. And dad, there's a group of friends I've invited over. We're, we're, we're going to have a study on what the world would look like if every teenager cleaned their room like their dad said. And then after that study, they, she comes out and says, dad, my friend said they've never seen any father speak with such authority. We would be like, go clean the room, right? That's what we'd be like. But this is what we do. We memorize. We learn it in the Greek. We write books about it. But the proof is not there. It's in the doing what the word, it's putting those words into practice. If you listen to what I just summarized from Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you know, loving your enemies, um, not looking lustfully, Man, we're going to need some Holy Spirit power to help us do that. Am I right? You know, it took me about 20 years to learn the secret to marriage. Candace this week early gave me a list on a Post-it. I don't know how you can get 46 things on one Post-it note, but she did. Or maybe it was six. It just seemed like a lot. And I've learned If I go and do those things, it's amazing what it does to our marriage. Have y'all ever, how many of you men have learned that? How many of you women are praying that your husband will listen now? Pastor Chuck's about to reveal something. You know, it's in doing. Three of our boys, our older boys, went to the Passion Conference just a couple weeks ago. (laughs) And one of them sat with Candace and said, just in reflecting about it, said, you know, it was the first time I think I had all my friends and we were worshiping together. And he said, Mom, it feels really good to live right. (laughs) We've only spent 20 years trying to tell you this, you know. It's, It's amazing what What happens when you put these things into practice? James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25 in the New Living Translation says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. Who does that? People who want to see what their face looks like. Verse 24, you see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look, listen to this, please. But if you look carefully into the perfect law, okay, oh, there's a principle. There's a universal law at work now. If you look perfect into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Brothers and sisters, I pray at Restoration Church, we are not a church family that hears the word only listens to teaching from the word only, but becomes a church family that's quick to action. For the word says, if you do what it says, God will bless you for doing it. And so as we sit in this stormy season in our world and the rain of deceit is falling and the flood of fear is rising, And the wind, the tornado of compromise is all around us. May we be determined to be sure about our foundation. And may we be a people that are built on the rock. Can somebody say amen this morning? Now there's just two things I want to, there's just two points to this sermon this morning. But as you've learned, don't let that fool you. Each point could be 25 minutes. Um, There's a lot. There's As Jesus just unloaded, uh, uh, there was a big download this morning. Some of this stuff we look at regularly. But I want us to look at it in terms of being able, listen to me, to stand in the storm. You do a study from Genesis to Revelation. God is, Cause calls his people to stand in storms all the time. In every book, it's about the, the, the culture knocking us down and God calls us to stand. Fear coming to make our knees shake. And one writer said, when your knees start shaking, you just kneel down to make them stand still. And while you're down there, go ahead and pray. Then you'll be able to stand. But all th- Exodus, uh, Moses is leading the children of Israel out. They're outnumbered. They're outweaponed. And God tells him, you tell those people, stand still. Don't run in fear. Don't bow. Don't surrender back to them. Stand and you will see the salvation of the Lord. It's all through scripture. And They stand there and they're not out faith. They're outnumbered, outweaponed, but they are not out faith. And God brings a deliverance. Daniel and the three Hebrew children, they were told to bow when the people the music started, and everybody's doing it, there's compromise. there's a tornado of compromise. If you don't bow, you're going to stand out, and you might burn. And what they do? they stood, Peter on the day of Pentecost. He couldn't stand a few weeks early. He couldn't stand in the fear of persecution. He denied he even knew Jesus when the Holy Spirit was poured out. The Bible said in Acts chapter 2, Peter stood up and began to preach. And the Bible said there was such conviction that his words cut to their heart, through their heart. Paul was knocked off of his, Saul was knocked off the horse, got his name changed, and God said, now stand up and go fulfill the purpose for which I've called you. All through scripture, even in the book of Revelation. And so brothers and sisters, I say with great passion, Now is not a time to acquiesce. Now is not a time to let the flood of fear rise up over. No, now is a time to make sure we are building our lives on the firm foundation of God's love because here's what you do. If you stand on God's word, he will stand for you and will bring deliverance if you don't bow, but you stand. And you stand for two reasons. You know the word and what it tells you to stand for. There's some things we're standing for this week. We're standing for life. We're standing against abortion. Don't get all quiet and political on me. We stand for some things. We stand for biblical gender sexual identity as God gives it. We stand for these things. And let the tornado compromise blow all around us. But if we stand, God will stand with us because we stand on the word. Are y'all out there this morning? In the name of Jesus. Now, I want you to see these are principles I teach over and over and over and over and over. And so as it relates to, Standing in the storm, I want you to understand again, we're going to re-embrace the power of the word. The li- the, so there's two things we're going to look at. The first is the life-giving power of the word. And the second one will be the life-saving power of the word. So look here. The word of God is not some book that's a list of rules for an armory, God who wants things done his way. That's not what this is. This is a book, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Me, the word, Jesus would say, I've come that you might have life. So again, this morning, we're standing for life. We're not standing for a bunch of conservative religious rules. This book is, it it brings life. It's a life-giving word. The word of God is just that. Now, in the word, you can find life. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, for the word of God is what? Alive and powerful. How many of you all found that out to be? It's like better than readers digest, slightly, but it is clearly better. How many of you have found that out to be the truth? How many of you have seen it be alive? How many of you have been reading through the book of Leviticus, bored to tears and all of a sudden, Wait, God, how'd you, that verse was not there last time I read Leviticus, and you put it there for me today. Anybody? You'd be, no matter where you are in your daily reading, somehow God speaks to you about what you need to hear for that day. If you were a preacher, every time this happens, weekly, weekly, yesterday after prayer, someone came to me and Started telling me about something I said in the sermon last Sunday and helped minister to them and gave them direction. Listen to me. They said something that I said that I didn't say. <laughs> Happens all the time, Pastor. Money ever happened to you? All the time. I'm like, this is why I pray, Lord. I don't want to be heard. I want you to be heard, Lord. I want your words to be my words. And you're like, Pastor Chuck, you said it. You just don't real. No, Candace. will. we catch up. We talk about this and laugh all the time. We'll stand right here. There'll be new people They'll go, Pastor Chuck, you said this. You're talking. And I'm like, God, that's and that's nothing new. In Acts chapter two, the Bible didn't say that the disciples, when they got their heavenly prayer language that they started speaking in all of the known languages. The Bible says they heard them speaking in every one of their own personal languages. The word, the word of God is alive. Now, not only is it alive, but it gives life. Life is inherent in the word. Inherent means existing in something as a permanent, essential or characteristic attribute. John chapter five, verse 25 says, and I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the dead, who? When the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the son of God and those who listen will live. How do dead people listen? Ask Lazarus. Wonder if Jesus. This is the same, but wonder if Jesus is thinking about Lazarus, what, what what was coming? He says, "The one who listens to my voice will live." Proverbs chapter four, verse twenty through twenty-two. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. You hear that? This is the whole thing in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, where, everybody look here. Jesus, I mean, the the angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah. She says, how can that be? I'm a virgin. And he says, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and you're going to conceive. And she says, so the angel, which means messenger from God, brings the sermon to Mary and says, God's going to do something in you that's impossible. And she says, how? And he says, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. The Holy Spirit's going to do it. And the Holy Spirit conceives in her. And she says, okay, let it be unto me, what, according to your... And then what does the next verse say? Verse 37 says this. It says, for the word of God will never fail. Most translations you're familiar with, and many people use this on their email signature, and they use it and it says, for with God, nothing is impossible. And that's not really a very good translation. I don't know many of you have heard me describe this, explain this several times. But what the word is really saying is, listen, the word of God has within its own capacity the ability to perform itself. And so wherever there is a person saying, okay, I receive that. I'm down with that. I'll, I'll get in alignment with that. The word then brings the life. And that's exactly what happened with Mary. Are y'all out there picking up what I'm putting down this morning? In Genesis, we see a very similar picture. In the first three verses, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. how did he do that? Because the earth was formless, empty. Darkness was everywhere, the Bible says in verse two. did he do that? holy spirit was hovering and then verse three says the holy spirit was hovering then god said let there be light and there was light and so no more chaos no more darkness holy spirit's hovering waiting for the voice of god God says, let there be light, and now there is no more darkness. How many of you are thankful there is life-giving power in the word? Isaiah chapter 55. You know where we're going on this. This is the passage where God says, my ways are higher than yours. My faults aren't like yours at all. And it's a big chasm. Like, my, my ways are a lot higher. Look what he says in verse 3 in the message. Listen to me. Listen well. Pay attention. Come close now. Listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. And look later in this same chapter, verse 8 and 9, the New Living. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My way, my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Everybody, you've read this many times, but everybody look at can you imagine the prophet? bringing this word, and can you imagine God trying to say, what goes on in my mind is so different than what goes on in yours. And he's saying, and the way I do stuff, the plane I live on, it's so much higher. And then God's like, just to illustrate, it's like, as the heavens, the earth, there's that much difference. But look what God says next. This is why he sends his word. Verse 10, verse 10. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same way with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. And when that happens, here's what God's saying. I'm not gonna come down to your ways. I'm going to send my word to bring you up to my ways. Everybody listen, we're going here in a second. John chapter 1, you go, wait, no, God did come down. He did. He sent Jesus incarnate, the Word. John 1 is a picture of Isaiah 55. God says, My ways are up here, your ways are down here. I send my word so I can get your ways up here. I sent Jesus not so we can stay down there. I sent Jesus. So in every way, he can get you up here. Y'all tracking with me? And then what will happen? When When you receive my word, which has the power for you to be changed by it, what will happen? Verse 12 says, you will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. How many of you say, Lord, I want to be open to your word because I want the trees of the field just waving at me in the mornings. Are y'all out there this morning? This is a dramatic picture of what life can be like when you receive the word. Praise your name, Jesus. So God sent Jesus, John 1. Jesus came as the word and brought us life, Ephesians, just like he did for Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. That power, the power of speaking that to a dead person brought him to life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 5 says, You were dead in your sins, but now Jesus came. You were dead, but even though we were dead, he gave us life when he raised Jesus from the dead. John 1, verse 4, I'm sorry, verse 1 and 4 through 5. In the beginning was the word, the word. Who's the word? Everybody say it. Who's the word? You go, what does it mean to be for Jesus to be called the Word? It means his life. God told us everything He wanted to know, wanted us to know about Him in Jesus' life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 4: The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it brothers and sisters please hear me there is life-giving power in the word of God do you feel dead do you feel overwhelmed with the chaos the compromise do you feel depressed lifeless is is anxiety causing you to feel like you are drowning in this hour if you're if you are you're not alone There are many good people right now drowning in this stuff. And I would say to you this morning, let's get you up and get you refocused and get your heart opened back up and your mind set on receiving the word of God. Jesus said, man does not live on bread, on food alone, but he lives on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Lord, help us to fall in love like a high school girlfriend that consume us with your word, Lord. Give us an insatiable desire to spend time in your word. How many of you raise your hand and say, I want that, Lord, ruin me with your word. Ruin me. Number two, the life-saving protection of the word. There is a, Not only a life-giving, but a life-saving protection in the Word. It gives us the ability to stand in the storm. Look at this verse. uh, I think it's Psalm 107, 3 through 6, and then verse 20. Look what it says. For he has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty, They nearly died. This is a storm right here. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. And he rescued them from their distress. And look what verse 20, those of you who come on Tuesday nights, I pray this often. The Bible says, he sent his word and healed our diseases. Verse 20 right here says, he sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Everybody look right here. When we say that the word, he sent his word and he healed our diseases, that doesn't just mean when cancer exists that he says, cancer, be gone. It's more profound than that. God can do that. And he has done that. He can speak and correct a situation. But the thing that we underestimate is the instruction of his word where he says um, to anxiety, instead of saying anxiety, be gone. He says bitterness, be gone in his word. How? By not living in unforgiveness and in releasing people who have sinned against you, you don't let that root of bitterness grow up and affect your health. And This is what the Bible says and what, pop, what respected psychology is psychosomatic illnesses. Do you know the percentage? I don't know the exact percentage, but I have read and understand it's a lot of people. They are not sick in their body. Their minds have made them feel sick. And what we have to understand is God Fully addresses these situations where he says, um, may, we be, may we prosper even as our soul prospers, mind, will, and emotions. And he sends his word to help us think right so that we can feel right in our soul level. And God doesn't just come to speak, Lazarus, come forth. He comes to give us good instruction for living. And I would say to you this morning, if you have one of those things... Um, I think Michael Jr. in the early December, he talked about it. Just You have these peculiarities, these things you go, that's just how I am. I know I can forgive everybody, but that, and, and we joke about these things. And I just want to encourage you this morning. Let us have our lives built on the full counsel of God's word where his spirit is able to bring freedom into us. I believe in the name of Jesus. There are people here, and they'll be in the next service too, if we release forgiveness. If we let that situation go and God roots out that bitterness, there'll be a joy that will come and we'll start seeing the trees clap their hands before us. Are y'all out there this morning? Come on, let's praise the Lord for the... Now, closing um, with these two things. Um, My mother's Bible was ugly. My mother was a person of the word. My dad too, but my mother her Bible. It had stuff in it, notes in it. Um, It was tattered, and it was like, you know, an embarrassing part of her her wardrobe. It was ugly, but her life was beautiful. And my mother taught us the, the offense of God's word. I'm not going to drive all the way down into this, but I don't want the worship team to be prepared to sing firm foundation, especially that bridge when the rain came, the winds blew. But everybody look here. Um, in Ephesians chapter 6, this is so important. This is where Paul is talking to the Ephesians. You've got to learn how to stand. I want to just be loud and clear this morning. Don't leave here going, ah, I heard that was a good sermon this morning. This is a deposit. This isn't me giving you the rules of an irritable God. No, this isn't trying to make you a good member of the Restoration Church. This is the word of life. This is why Jesus said to the disciples, these words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit that helps you receive, understand, and be governed by what I'm saying. And when that happens, you will have life. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is talking about standing in the midst of warfare. And you know what he says. Um, There's warfare, there's demons, there's principalities. And and he's saying, but you've got to stand in the warfare. And he gives us our um, outfit, our armor. And it's the helmet of salvation which protects our mind. We have to know in our head that we are saved. That's why we have a helmet there, and it's defensive, it protects us. We have a shield of faith to extinguish fiery darts of the enemy. We have a breastplate of righteousness. Our heart, very vital organ, is protected by what Jesus did on the cross. Shoes of peace. And when we go from this room to that room, because of who we are, Our our feet take us in those shoes and we bring peace into any room that we come into. And then there's one weapon he mentioned, the sword of the spirit, which is the raiment, the word of God. And many of us need to come to understand this is why you can't be a hearer of the word only. And you can't be a memorizer of the word only. But it is good to memorize the word so that you've got something in your holster. You've got something in your chamber. Because just remember, it's Matthew 4 when Jesus stood up and Satan started trying to uh, take the word of God out of context and to manipulate him, which Satan does this all the time. And Jesus quotes the word. And for you, soldiers, army, people who are in in this battle, for you to stand in Jesus' name, I want you to learn to use the offensive word of God that drives back the enemy in Jesus' name. Now, the last thing I want to share is this. And this is a picture of that we need to have. And it's in Matthew 8. I just pray, Lord, give us this, the spirit of this Roman warrior, this, this leader. Give us this spirit and this faith. You may remember, okay, Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 and 10. There's a Roman leader in the army who comes and says, Jesus, my servant is lying paralyzed, lifeless. He's about to die. And I need you to come and I need you to speak the word over him. And Jesus is taken back. And he says, okay, today... I'll, I'll come with you. And the Roman soldier says, oh, no, you, you don't need to come to my house. It's kind of like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready. My wife, I haven't told my wife you're coming, so that ain't going to happen. And I, and plus, I'm not worthy for you to get off course and, and come to my house. And he, and he says this to Jesus, if you'll just say the word, he will be made whole. And Jesus is taken back by that, and he says, You're a Roman, a Gentile. I haven't seen this kind of faith. Verse 13 says, Jesus spoke the word and his servant was healed that hour. May God in this hour of crazy chaos, deceit, fear, compromise, may we be the people that say, God, if you'll just say the word, you'll bring life. There'll be power for me to stand in Jesus' name. Are you out there this morning? Could you just put yourself, even now, just mentally, just before the Lord? We're getting ready to sing this song with a new passion. Lord, Our life, you are our firm foundation. Our lives, we wanna be rooted not only in knowing your word, but doing your word. It's in doing your word, Lord, that we realize that's the John 8:32. You said we will know the truth. Not just know about it, know it. We will experience it. We'll learn it and do it. And that's what sets us free. And so I take authority right now over anxiety. We've had enough of anxiety. We take authority again over fear in this place. Fear of finances and COVID. Fear of the Supreme Court. Going off the deep end, fear of some other nation coming in and ruling over us, fear of losing our religious freedoms. We say no to every one of those anxieties. We are ready for this flood, we are ready for this storm because our lives are rooted in you, oh God. So bring healing. Over every disease, every disease, those diseases that we think, ah, I got to learn to live with that. Lyme's disease, asthma, arthritis, heart failure, CHF, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord God. Speak the word. You don't have to come to our house. You just speak the word and we receive it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, stand with me. Could we just give God praise for the, the, the truth of his word? We love you, Lord. We praise your name. Uh, and I, I want to encourage you, everybody, listen. There, there's so much more I could teach to this. I, I want to just want to highlight again so many of these um, critical passages of scripture. Listen, 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 though. People go, Pastor Yuck, I understand what the Word says, and I want to get in line with the Word. I don't want to, nobody in here wants to be a hearer of the Word only. Nobody. But your flesh goes, no, we're going to just hear it. We're not going to do it. Pastor Chuck, how do I rise up over that? This is why what we said last week. You need more of Holy Spirit hovering over your life. In the chaos, darkness, confusion. And when the Holy Spirit's there, you can be just like Mary. How, how are you going to do that? The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and going to become the rock star in your life. And you're going to be a supporting actor, and He's going to be doing amazing things in you. And this is how you go not only do I hear the Word, know the Word, I'm now living and doing the Word because the Holy Spirit is in me. Oh. So much sermon and so little time. Do you know I read a statistic this week that said only 30% of people in the U.S. want shorter sermons. 90% want more in-depth teaching. They did, there, were no, there were no pastor's children in that. But So we don't come to perform and entertain the Word want to teach the word so that you can receive the word. Are you picking up? So just just go, Holy Spirit. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will remind you of the word. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will illuminate. You'll go, I don't don't know what that verse means. Holy Spirit just comes and just shines his iPhone light on it. You go, oh, that's what that means. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will come alongside you and help you live according to the word. He will comfort you, be a paraclete, an advocate. When the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to do greater things than what I've done because he's in you. I'm just with you, but he's going to be in you. So how many of you just say, I want more Holy Spirit? I want more Holy Spirit in my life. And so we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Father. Dean, are you ready to lead us in that bridge? And we sing this as a prayer as a response to this sermon how many of you just say yeah I got Pastor Chuck I'm trying but there's still a little fear that creeps in there's still a little worry there's still a little anxiety and you're not confessing you're just raising your hand and saying I want to be delivered I want to be set free from it just just raise your hands right now anybody have a sickness that you're it just it gnaws at you it Just it takes too much of your brain space and you want to be set free from it this morning come on God says, I sent my word, and I'm healing your diseases. I'm, I sent my word, and I'm healing your diseases. We praise you, Lord. A rain came, A rain came wind blue. blue, my house was built on you. and I'm safe with you, I'm gonna make it come yes, on came. rain came and rain. is my firm come on the rock on which i stand when everything In the name of Jesus, we thank you for your Word. It's alive. It's active. It brings life, brings protection and healing. We thank you, Lord, that you send your Word and you heal our diseases. In the name of Jesus, we take authority. In the name of Jesus, rooted in you, planted in the house of God, that we might flourish in the courts of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When you leave this morning, you ought to tell the parking lot crew how awesome they are, seriously. Well, I pulled in today, seeing those guys, it was a blessing. Look around, I have a, listen, there's a young lady who was, um, her, her mother tried to abort her, she's gonna be with us next week, Davis. She follows our church from Pensacola, and she, um, she weighed in. She said, no snow on the ground in Atlanta. Thank you, Restoration Church, for having your doors open. I just want to just bless you for coming out this morning. And all those that were able to join us today, we're going to stand strong in the storm. Amen. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. May lift up his countenance on you give you his peace in Jesus name come on I receive it amen bless you